everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast, episode number 96. Uh, the Malthouse Game Podcast is a podcast all about board games, card games, tabletop games, role-playing games, things of that sort. My name is Delton. I will be your host this uh, Thursday evening. I guess we're recording this tonight. Uh, with me, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. I feel like it's been forever since we've recorded a podcast. I think I said that last time, too, but I think because we've actually recorded on not release day, we're not recording on Sunday mornings like the yeah. last three weeks, it feels like actual time has passed between the podcast and we're not rushing like crazy. It really does. It feels like it's been just a long time, which is strange. I'm so proud of us. Look at us getting things done like three days in advance. I know. It makes it easier on me because I'll have time to edit this weekend and not be editing all Sunday morning that way... Oh, I want to sit that down. That way I'm not too stressed out by it. You can enjoy your Sunday morning biscuits and gravy. For sure. Guys, we got a lot to tell you about this week, but first let's tell you about this beer. Yeah, first we need a beer. Um, This is apparently from Aldi. It looks like it's from State of Brewing, which is brewed and canned in Wanakee, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's the WI, correct? Yeah, courtesy of Brian yes. Brain, friend of the show, episode six extraordinaire. Brian picked this up, or at least gave us one, from his fridge. It is their Cherry Kolsch style. It says, crisp and refreshing is a Cherry Kolsch ale. Uh, it is 12 fluid ounces with 4.4 alcohol by volume. So not super stout, but it looks to be a promising brew. It has a very almost Kool-Aid color. Mm. It smells like cherries. It said it has cherry concentrate in it. It looks like cherry. So it's definitely not a craft beer where they're like, mm, we soaked it on cherry pits and then used the flesh of cherries in firm and blah, blah, blah. It's none of that. However. Girl, please. This is Aldi. Exactly. You go to Aldi for good. Super crisp. Mm. The cherry flavor is very light. It really is. It's like hint of cherry. Oh, this is great for a hot day. Super, super light and crisp. Has a nice carbonated finish that's not too much. Mm-hmm. You ever had like a cherry limeade from Sonic or something and they put the cherry concentrate in, they squirt the cherry juice in, and they don't actually stir it and it all soaks down to the bottom? Yep. But then you taste your cherry limeade part before you get to the bottom. Like, oh, it tastes good. There's like an essence of cherry. That's what this tastes like. I could see that. It's pretty good, though. It's super light, super clean, real light hint of cherry in there. I mean, if you wanted something that was different than a standard beer, had a little extra flavor, uh, I think that's pretty good. This is, I feel like this is more for the, I'm not a huge fan of craft beer. This is like a small next step. I'm totally picking up you know the six mean? pack of this this weekend. Yeah. Just got word that Aldi should be delivering alcohol in Oklahoma pretty soon. Which is super exciting because we get food delivered all the time. We do. Yeah, we just... Uh, got it passed in Oklahoma last year where it was a temporary order where liquor stores could deliver during the pandemic. Then they extended it to forever and always. And now they've made it to where grocery stores can deliver. And they're trying to get it passed to where you could buy mixed drinks to go, which is completely safe. Yeah, I don't like the mixed drinks to go aspect because, yes, they will give them to you in a sealed container. But I don't trust most people. If it's good enough for Texas, it's good enough for us. I don't know if we should be following Texas, but, you know, there we are. So, Delty, should we talk about what's been happening this week? Ugh, I guess. So, here's why we need a beer tonight. 
uh, as you know, and I guess uh, for the, anybody who hasn't listened to our show before, if this is your first episode, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> about more, to get real personal it's real a, quick. It's going to get real personal real quick because we like to be personal in the banter and let you and all the other listeners kind of get to know us as people because my personal philosophy is I like podcasts where I get to know the hosts. I want to feel like I'm a buddy. If I meet you in public, I want to know something about you aside from the hobby or topic that you're covering. To me, that's fun. We're going to talk about reproduction because of that. Okay, so (laughs) uh, as you all know, back in, when was it? February? March? January? February, March. Sometime. I think it was in March. First quarter 2021. In quarter one 2021, I had a vasectomy. And uh, as you know, the vasectomy, there's only one way to tell if it is successful, which is to deliver a sample. I won't go into further detail there. They test said sample until you're shooting blanks. And that's when you know you're good to go. Uh, Bad news. Uh, Apparently something has happened and mine has failed, which is like a 0.1% chance. I think they said one to two people out of every thousand. Delton's really special. Special man. And so are his special men. uh, Yes. Apparently the first and second tests were low, but weren't clear. This third test, uh, the the words she used were too many to count. So something has gone awry, which we knew there was like some difficulty on one side during the procedure, nothing crazy, but assumed everything would be fine, but it's not. So I've got to do it again, except this time under anesthetics. That way they can put me to sleep, get in there and get it good and make sure everything is the best it can be. Do you understand the emotional toll that two vasectomies can have on a person? (laughs) Right. Uh, I am Michael Scott from the office, just minus the one extra vasectomy. You do have the you have the snip and the snap. You don't quite I have technically the snip have and the snap. two snips. You have two snip snips because I've never had a snap. I didn't get them reversed. You have two snip snips. So it sucks. Uh, I told Haley it's kind of a weird thing because I'm an advocate for it. I have two brothers that have had vasectomies. We know what two to three more friends. Yeah, that have had vasectomies. A lot of people have done it. Uh, I'm an advocate for it. I'm all about it. But like, if anybody asks me and I'm like, oh well, mine failed. It's like immediately. Doubt fills their mind with, oh, vasectomies are never, you know what I mean? It just kind of adds that aspect, which I hate. But that's why I'm wanting to also be open about it. And that like, hey, I kind of have a freak case. It rarely happens. But here I am, the 0.1%, which sucks. But, you know, so I I believe we're going to do later this month. I'm going to go in, get it done again, take more time recovering. And uh, hopefully everything's good this time. If it's not done after time two, if something else freak happens, I'm done. You're just going to go I'm, live at the Mayo Clinic I'm, as a yeah. like, living specimen. Put me on display in the museum. Just give me food. You have some talking points just like the Mayor of Whoville. Do you remember in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey version? Whenever the assistant mayor is introducing the mayor and he's like, he's the only man who has had his tonsils removed twice. You now have <laughs> a talking that's point. That's basically it. The only man I know who is going to have two vasectomies. Yep. Let's just hope the second one sticks because that's what we want. By golly. Or that would vasectomy. And I mean, luckily, this might be too much information. And luckily, we found out in the proper way of finding out. We didn't risk it for the biscuit. Nope. And just, you know what I mean? Like, that's, a, that's something that happens to people, which it stinks when you go through something, a surgery like that. I mean, it was only 500 bucks for me out of pocket, but for the insurance, it was like three grand or something. Well, it was 500 bucks out of pocket, and then we got dealt in the, a compensation switch. Yes, she did. She, got, let, me get, uh, she let me get my N- Nintendo Switch early. We were going to get it later this month after we refinanced the house, which is happening, for those who don't know. 
refinancing to a 15 year. Was going to get a Switch after that, but, uh, you know, I had a hundred bucks saved up, traded in some games, and Haley let me get it a bit early. That way, A, I can play with my friends, and B, uh, once I go through the second vasectomy, I have uh, something to do while I'm laying on the couch dead <laughs> for a couple days. Again. Again. Oh, damn it. Again. But yeah, so that's the bad news. That's the bad news. However, the good news is I have a Switch now. It's the Animal Crossing Edition, which is the one I wanted. And we've also painted our house and my temple. We paint. Yeah, that's right. We painted the hallway and the living room, which I posted pictures online. If you want to see that, you can follow at malthousegames.com. We're going to be painting the dining room and the kitchen coming up here pretty soon, just not quite yet. And then I got a tattoo. And Haley got another tattoo. I got a sage branch because my little niece named Lakin, her middle name is Sage, and I wanted a tattoo for her. So I got a little sage branch on my arm. I think it's real cute. It is. It looks really good. It's a per- like the greatest color of green. It's like a nice, deep, dark... It's going to be a green that lasts. It is. And I think that's all that's been going on. Out of training season, getting ready for the rest of summer, and that means more time for board games. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's, it's a game. More time for board games indeed, because that's what we did tonight in prep for this episode. So... The board game today is a small card game called Plantopia. I bought this for Haley for Christmas. It was a Kickstarter and was supposed to be delivered in December. When did we get it? Like March? Oh, no. We only got it in like May. Was like, it in May? We it literally was late. just got it. It was very late, which is fine. I mean, it's Kickstarter. You gave it to me for um, Cat Mother's Day because it was supposed to be for Christmas. That's right, because it finally came in. I was so excited to give it to you. Uh, but uh, I kind of say that in jest about Kickstarters being late. Kickstarters are always late. That's just the thing, right? You can have a plan. It doesn't mean it's going to go to plan, but it's nothing of the creator's fault, generally. It's also a global pandemic, and like... Exactly. Shipping's delayed. Materials are delayed. The U.S. Post Office is under siege. And it makes perfect sense. Some Kickstarters could be in a perfect world. They're still going to be delayed because things take longer than people usually plan for, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're right on time, but it's not a huge deal. I just like to poke fun at it because it's kind of like the thing to do, I guess. But this is Plantopia. It is published by Aura Game. Looks like Origami and Daylight Studios. And fun fact, it is the world's most adorable game. It is by far one of the cutest games in the world. Even the side of the box, it has a watering can that straight says watering can and a watering can with a little nozzle that's bent backwards that says watering cannot. How can you beat that? Yes, this game is full of puns and stuff like that. And holographic. It's great. Uh, It's designed in Singapore. The game design is by Daryl Chow. Artwork and content are Ryu Ho. And production is Nicholas Pong. So Plantopia is a small card game that can hold two to five players. It says 30 minutes, which I think is probably right if you're at four or five players. We did it as a learning game in 25. I bet we could do it in like 15. Yeah. Just because now we know how to play. Uh, The way this game is going to play is over two phases over and over again until the end of the game. It's going to be the planting phase and then the weather phase. And then a lot of math. And then there's some math at the end. Uh, So the way the game functions is you start with your hand of six cards. In the planting phase, everyone draws one card. And then simultaneously, you can either plant a card from your hand. You have to plant a baby plant. There are baby and tree-volved, which are like the adult plants. You can plant something. 
you can grow any plant in your five planters. So you have five spots. Like a, if, you, if you're used to gardening, you put things in planters if you don't want to put them in the ground, right? So you have five planter cards. Uh, so you can grow any number of your plants out there. You just have to pay the cost. Or you can draw five cards and discard two of them. So basically, draw five, keep three. Um, after the plant phase is done and everybody's finished their action, you go to the weather phase where you pick a weather card out of sunny, cloudy, or rainy. You're going to put it face down. Everyone reveals at the same time. In a less than five player game, you basically just have uh, some random cards drawn to help you. Then your plants can grow based on which weather cards come out. So if a cactus needs a lot of sunlight, if there's enough sunlight cards out, your cactus will grow another level. And the thing is, Let's say your cactus needs two suns and there's four suns out. Your cactus will actually grow two levels. Exactly. He gets that many great sunny days. Uh, and that's how the game's going to function. Back and forth and back and forth. Over and over. Plant phase, weather phase, plant phase, weather phase. Until somebody ends a plant phase with four tree-evolved plants. Which means the evolved, like, bigger stage. Generally, they have in-game scoring or some big effect that happens. Uh, after that, you do one last weather phase and the game ends. Then you add up points and whoever has the most points wins. So this game is very simple to play. At first, uh, when I was reading some of the like um, ratings and reviews on BoardGameGeek, some people were saying it's a very hard teach. And I think the only thing that's a hard teach about it is the icons. Because there are a lot of icons in the game. And like how each plant has the cactus, has a cactus symbol. But... There's the baby cactus symbol and the trevolved cactus symbol. And each type of plant of the three have a baby and a trevolved version. I think for at least the first two or three games, you should probably expect to have the uh, icon sheet out in front of you. I think so. I think you'll want to be referencing that to make sure you understand what everything does. But aside from that, the game is simple to play. You pick a card from your hand that's a baby version, planted in the beginning, and as you plant more babies, uh, anytime you plant a baby, it has an immediate action, which is always like a fulfilling thing in a game, right? You put this down, boom, you get to do something else. My favorite one was tree-volving a cactus into the, I think it's the cactus, who lets you plant again immediately. So I planted another cactus, which let me plant again immediately, to which I planted, I think, a buttercup to upgrade something. And it was like, oh, that was a really nice turn of planting two things at once and upping a thing's level. Now, when I say upping a card's level, uh, your cards that go in the planters, these plants, they start at level zero, which makes sense. And as they grow, they grow to level one, two, and three. Then they max out at three, in which they leave your planter and go to another area. So I'm taking this as when you put like tomatoes in a little planter in your house, once they get big enough, you go put them in the garden. That's what I'm imagining. These are babies. Once they're big enough, you transfer them to soil. Mm -hmm. Then from the soil, you can use them to pay for the tree-volved version where they come back bigger. Seedlings versus mature plants. Yeah, so I'm kind of taking it thematically that way. But I enjoy uh, that you can level them up, and then once they hit level three, they leave the planter, so you now are free to plant more things because you're limited to five planters in a game. But I like that the game is simple enough that all that kind of makes sense. And I'm sure, I mean, I always say this, I hope it makes sense when I'm talking about it on the podcast, right? Um, but yeah, you're planting a card, trying to level it up to be able to replace it with bigger, stronger cards. And the reason why we say there's a lot of math involved is because uh, depending on your card, so if it's, a, if it's a younger card, if it's a seedling, if it's a baby plant, then typically there's one or two leaves on it. And however many levels up your plant is, 
times that by the number of leaves it has, and that's how many points it's uh, earned at the end of the end of the game. So, for example, I had a cactus with three leaves, and at the end of the game, it was up on the third level, so I got nine points for that card. Whereas I had one plant that had two leaves, was at level zero, so I got zero points for that card. Exactly. So if you plant a bunch of stuff but never level it up, at the end of the game, those cards aren't going to be worth anything. You got to remember your times tables, people. You really do. There is a lot of math to do at the points at the end. It's not bad. But it's like second grade level. Yeah, but it's enough at the end of a long day. You're like, ugh, what? Okay, give me a calculator or a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Paper and pen. But uh, one thing I really enjoyed about this game is I love the aspect that instead of planting a card, instead of growing your vegetables or your plants, you have the option of just drawing new cards. I don't know why that like made me so happy. I never did it. Not once. I felt like I was good the whole time because so many cards make you draw more cards. And it's awesome because this is a game where drawing cards is going to ha- be how you get to things you want, right? If you plant, uh, I guess it's a tree. If you plant a baby tree and you don't ever find a tree-evolved tree, you're never going to be able to upgrade it. But so many things draw you cards, you're like almost guaranteed throughout the game to at least find a tree-evolved tree. It may not be the one you really want, but you'll find one. Mm -hmm. And I really like that aspect of I can just dig on my turn and dig on my turn, or I can play this card to give me some progress. It helps me dig for what I'm really looking for. I really like that because nothing's worse than a game where you're hoping for something and it just never comes up. I hope you can dig in the garden. Ah. Yes, gardening jokes. Ah. That is one thing with this game. It's the punniest game. I was just going to say, some of the artwork, like you have the geometry, and it's a tree with all kinds of shapes as its leaves instead, which is just like stinking adorable. You have the pointless cactus. It's a cactus that has no uh, thorns. Nope. Yeah. No little pointy thingies. No little prickly things. The cactus is a cactus that wears Needles. a, a There's ball the cap. Needles. That's it. Uh, what was some of the other ones? You had the pepper tree, where it was a tree, and it was basically inside a, like a pepper shaker. You had the car nation, which was a country of automobiles. Yeah, you had the Thornos, which is like the Thanos, and it had the same colors of Thanos in its pot. It's another cactus. You had the money plant, where its pot was like a dollar bag, and all of its pink flowers look like dollar bills, which is neat. So the artwork is adorable, and there's a lot of like little puns involved, which makes the game funny. Uh, something else I liked about this game, I think the only way that you interact with your opponent is by what you pick for the weather phase. So if I say, I really need sun, I'm going to pick a sun. Okay, that's fine. Yes, you can utilize that as well. So I guess I could be like, I don't want her to have a son. I'll pick something else. But doing that, I'm going to hurt myself, right? That's the only interaction, and it's barely interaction. But I do like that about it, that you can't really screw over your opponent. You're not competing. Honestly, you could play this game with your hand on the table. Just open information because it doesn't matter, which I also tend to enjoy. Yeah, again, like the the only thing that I can think of is I would look over at Delton's uh, plot and I would see, okay, well, he has a lot of sun and that probably means he's going to be banking on a lot of sun cards. I'm going to go ahead and shoot for leveling up my cactus, which takes three suns. So I might throw down an extra sun. Yeah. It might help him, but it's also going to help me. I'm kind of banking on what he's going to grow up. Or if you had some cards that needed one sun and a cloud, right? Let's say you had two cards that need a sun and a cloud. All mine need suns. You can kind of bank on me playing a sun, right. which means you don't have to. You can play a cloud to ensure that you're going to be able to grow some of your plants. And you also had opportunities throughout the game to get bonus weather cards as well. 
the bonus weather cards, and if you played them, they only affected your patch of land. Exactly. Yeah, you can basically give your. I I I took that as like your faking environments. It's like a greenhouse, like a sun lamp. Yeah, exactly. But you get to play a weather card that, yeah, like Haley said, only affects your stuff, and you can get those based on different cards you play. So it's a really simple game. Um, I just found it to be pleasant, light, cute, fun, and mechanically, I enjoyed it. I think the only mechanic I really didn't like was the fact that you have your hand of cards to plant. And then after that, you have to then grab your three weather cards to choose one of those to put face down. And I didn't like picking up one deck, putting it down to pick up another deck, to put it down to pick up the other deck, to put it down. You know what I mean? That was the one thing that I was like, eh, I don't really care for that. But everything was so simple that I kind of, by the end of the game, I didn't mind it. In the beginning, it annoyed me. But by the end, I was like, eh, doesn't bother me now. And the cards are cute enough to keep you entertained between the rounds. They really are, especially if you read closely. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So, the topic of today's episode is flavor text. But first, we're going to taste this beer. Why'd you say taste with an accent like it tied into flavor text? Because you taste flavor. Uh, See, I'm I didn't clever. get it. I didn't get it at I'm all. I'm clever. Do you want to hand me your glass, please? I'm glad you asked to hand me, hand you my glass. So we have another beer from Skydance Brewery today. Maybe Delton will become inebriated enough to love my puns. And we just played a whole game of puns. Uh, don't crush the can because I almost did. And then I thought, <laughs> do you want the one that has more or less? Uh, probably less. You get the one with more head then. Hey. So this is from Skydance Brewery. This is Wow Factor. It is a double IPA featuring Stata, Mosaic, and Trident Hops. This is a 16 fluid ounce tall boy with, that is 8% alcohol by volume. It says, wow, this is awesome. That's what it says on the side of the can. It's a really pretty can, too. This was a, like, special release, or I guess a new release. And I saw it when I stopped by Bacchus Wine and Spirits that I go to quite a bit on the way home. Like, not quite a bit. If I'm stopping on the way home, that's where I stop, because their beer selection is really good. And uh, I saw this, and I was like, boom, we have to have it. Great podcast beer. Amen. So it's a little bit hazy, a little cloudy. It's got, you know, a standard yellow, kind of golden yellow color. You can smell the hops. It's not too strong. It has a very thick head. It almost looks like a root beer float head. Yeah, yours has the really good, the the final pour got the best head retention. I guess that was the first. Also, I apologize if you hear Steve in the background. He has this little rubber fish that was attached to a kitty fishing pole that we used to throw across the house on the fishing pole. And he got obsessed with it. And he finds it and he loses it. And Delton just found it underneath the refrigerator. Is that where you found it? It was under the fridge, yeah. Under the fridge. And he has been obsessed with it over the last two days. And if you hear him screaming in the background, that's because he wants one of us to throw it. Luckily, he doesn't have his face right under the door yet. yet. So his screams are echoing in the hallway. They're not coming under the door. Sorry for the disclaimer, folks. Back to the beer. The beer has a very thick texture to it. For being just a double IPA light in color, it does have a very like dense drink behind it. If you say, I want a double IPA, and you hand him this, this is a double IPA. 
Yes, it's like if I'm going if I'm gonna reach for a double IPA to recommend to somebody so far, it's this one. And then it is the one from Odell Brewing mm-hmm. out of Fort Collins. Odell's yeah. Odell is a fantastic company, and Skydance so far has been a fantastic company. But it's a super solid. Yeah, I've liked a lot of Skydance. I, I feel like uh, their Res Dog was really good. Um, really everything that we've had by them. But this one, it's just a good standard IPA. And the great thing is it is also in a 16-ounce can and is 8%. So you're only going to need one. What I like is it's got a... Almost a creamy finish. Have you noticed that on this one? Almost a creamy finish. And the hops are very earthy, which I like. I don't mind very citrusy, like the citra hop, the kind of grapefruity. I don't mind that kind of hop. But this one, this one, rather than be like a citrus rind, this is almost more of like the meat. It's kind of like whenever you cook with buttermilk. I can see that. Like that creaminess. Like making buttermilk biscuits. Mm, It's just really good. A little bit earthy. A tiny bit of like a fruit flesh or like, you know, I don't know. It reminds me of like the flesh of a mango. That's kind of, except I can't quite place the flavor, but it's a really good double IPA. Amen. Skydance is great though. Uh, So for the topic today, we wanted to talk about uh, kind of a fun one that Haley came up with, which I thought was great, which is flavor text. Now, for those who don't know, Flavor text is what we call, or I guess people that play games and stuff like that, it's the text on a card or something in a game that is not relevant to how you play the game at all. It is strictly for like story purposes, fun purposes, or whatever purpose it serves. And this little vegetable game has the best flavor text that I've seen in a while. So Delton was talking earlier that this game has a lot of puns on it. And so we we kind of talked about some of the puns, like the geometry puns, like not only in uh, the depictions on the cards, but in the text at the bottom. And so we want to talk about that a little bit. You know, why why use flavor text? It has nothing to do with the game. So why do we like flavor text, Delty? I think you found a Reddit thread that kind of talks about some of this. I did find a good Reddit thread. I'm going to read a couple of these to give examples. Okay. And then I'll get to that. Uh, So the card Catus, which is a cat cactus, it's... Flavor text is very purrickly. Ah. Instead of prickly, purrickly. So I thought that was good. Um, let's see here. The pointless cactus, it says never gets to the point. The pepper tree, hot and spicy. You have arrowhead, full of good pointers, unlike pointless cactus, which is hilarious that it's insulting the other plant. Uh, the potted planted potted plants says this is not even its final form, ah. which I found to be hilarious. Batus, it drinks chlorophyll, I guess because it's a, oh, instead of drinking blood, since ah. it's a cactus and chlorophyll. Okay, makes sense. This is like some like grandfather level dad jokes. It's another level. They're pretty great. Natural flower, this flower is neither sharp nor flat, and it's the natural symbol in like a music, uh, in, in music, in writing music. Uh, the Trinity, it thrives on holy water and it's a tree that's in like the Trinity triangle. It's just funny, right? So that's flavor text. Cacti. Gotta go to work. Not on leaf today. And it's a cactus with a tie. I love it. It's so good. Ah. Um, so those are the goofy examples in this game of what flavor text is. But something that I found interesting is I was reading a Reddit thread from four years ago, started by username of Hot Packets I Smell Toast. Don't know if they're still posting. Who knows? But a lot of people talked about like 
cards they really loved with flavor text. So like this person brought up a card called Troll from Netrunner. And its flavor text says, you gotta pay the troll toll to get in. And that reminds me of the to troll to the toll to get to the boy's soul from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So they talked about, you know, they're talking, all these people talking about different things and different flavor texts that they enjoy. But what I've enjoyed the most is the different takes on flavor text, right? So you have flavor text like this game in Plantopia. It doesn't do anything for the game. It just makes funny puns. It keeps with the super cute theme of Life of a Potato, which is kind of like the story-based and the artwork is all part of this little world. So it keeps with that, which I think is super cute. Uh, then you have flavor text like on Magic the Gathering, where it's more world-building, but not necessarily always directly correlating to what's happening in the card. Uh, that's another type, and that can vary depending on the set, depending on the card, the artist, everything can play in there, right? Well, then you've got even further, which is when you start getting flavor text in historical games. So something like 1960 Making of the President, where it's like, oh, that's a fun fact about interesting things that happened during the 1960 election between Kennedy and uh, Nixon. Nixon. Then you can take it even further into depth, which is like Pax Pamir where you're reading a history novel on each card. If you want to read that flavor text, it's literally teaching you these things in very, a lot of detail, in a very great amount of detail. And then you've also got flavor text that tries to set a mood, which is like a lot of the Arkham games, right? Arkham Horror, the card game, Eldritch Horror, all that, uh, tries to like set the mood and represent different things all the time. So there's different, avenues that people can take when creating flavor text uh, sometimes it has to deal directly with the way the game functions and sometimes it doesn't and so i think it's kind of neat to think about because at first i was like ah flavor text is a theme you know it's whatever but then as i kind of thought about it and googled and found this reddit thread you realize i was chock full of good ideas i realized you had some decent ideas <laughs> rolling around in your head i think that was the best way to put that so what's your favorite kind of flavor text? I think my favorite kind of flavor text, it's really hard to say because I always enjoy, I don't know, I like flavor text that keeps with the theme, but I also enjoy flavor text that's there to make you laugh or chuckle. So like that Netrunner card, that just gives me a good like, hee <laughs> you know, or in Plantopia, it's all just cute, funny little things that go with the plants. But then I also really enjoy the historical text of Pax Pamir going in and being like, oh, this person, blah, 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 blah. And then you read about the same people on other cards in it because it's all connected. And it's like, this is really cool. So it's hard to say, but I would say majority of the time, I just want it to like give me a little chuckle or be relevant to the card in a way that's funny. So like, I guess, for example, if it's a card in magic and it's a sword and the flavor text is like, something to do with like i don't know somebody shouting like i'm a, uh you will not get past my blade but then the card is like a sword laying in a pool of blood with like a dead guy's hand next to it right so it's like this is what he said those were his last words and then he died i like that connection but it's kind of a funny one even though dark um i like that kind of stuff i think i like i like it to be humorous i like it to lighten what's going on because if i'm reading the flavor text i either want it to inform me or give me a laugh, because if it's just bland, or if it's sometimes with Arkham Horror, if it's trying a little too hard, 
to be spooky. Uh, I feel like that can not necessarily detract, but it can be just boring. She looked like heaven, but she smelled like death. Yeah, and you're like, okay, cool. What does that do for me? Kind of thing. What about yours? So I actually kind of like the mood setting of like Arkham Horror, but I like mood setting for all of them too. I Not necessarily that the flavor text has to add to the card, not necessarily that the flavor text has to add to the game, but it kind of creates the ambiance. Like in Arkham Horror, the the text is kind of vague, it's kind of ominous, it sometimes talks about your character, because you know in Arkham Horror card game, LCG, you have your character, and so whenever you get these artifacts or you get these um, tokens, then you know that can match your character. But like in this one, it also adds the ambiance because it's a cute, it's a light, it's a funny game, and it's just hella puns. Yeah. I think that the flavor text just kind of adds to the mood of the game, and that's what I appreciate about it. That makes sense, and I think that there is definitely a space for continuing the mood. I think for me, the reason something like the Arkham Horror one, like there's a point of, um, there's a point of like, all right, I'm not gonna read anymore. I think that comes from. It depends on how thematic heavy and like flavor heavy a game is. Something like a, the Arkham Horror LCG, every single card has something on it. And it's like, at some point, I'm going to stop focusing on that because everything else already has enough of that flavor and world, right? I don't want to be overwhelmed with it, but I don't want to be underwhelmed with it with having no flavor. See, I like having a lot of it because if you have, let's say you have. So when you're playing with who has AP, it gives you something to focus on. But also, if the flavor text doesn't have too much to do with the card, then you feel like you're not missing out if you just skip past it, too. It's That's like true. a little, it's like the icing on the cake. Yeah. Like sprinkles on a cake. You don't need it, but you like them. I like sprinkles. So this was an example from that Reddit thread. And I actually really agree with it because it's something I found the same. And now it's been years since we've played this, and I want to play it again. I just, we haven't got around to it. Race for the Galaxy because I would like to cover it on the show, because I don't think we truly have. Race for the Galaxy has no flavor text, but the artwork of the card and the name of the card tend to reflect the way in which the card functions. How does that work for you? Given that it's flavor, it's just technically minus the text. So I appreciate that a little. I think I mentioned earlier, like this card, you'll have puns in the artwork as well, like the geometry. The Mm -hmm. leaves are a whole bunch of shapes. Yeah. I, I think that it, it adds to the card any kind of clever, uh, cleverness. Yeah. Like, whether it's a symbol, whether it's the, the name is a pun, or the flavor text is a pun. It just adds a little extra. You don't need it. The, the, car, the game will function without it, but a lot of games will also function without a theme. What's the point of the theme? Is to make it fun, to make it marketable, to make it enjoyable, to make, it, make us want to be immersed in it. We talked about it a couple of episodes ago. And so... No, you don't need the flavor text. No, you don't need like the flavor artwork, but it makes it more fun and enjoyable. So I think after talking about this, that my favorite style of flavor text, my best example is going to come from Race for the Galaxy, which is that it directly correlates to the function of the card, even though there's no text in that one. Because like one of my biggest examples I remember is one of the war cards uh, it's something like Planetary Takeover. Has a picture of like a Cylon-esque soldier. He's like commanding others. And the card physically is like a war-themed heavy card. That all makes sense within the theme of the game. So I think my favorite flavor text on cards is when they fit the theme of the card and their function. So 
I enjoy puns. The funny ones are the best, I think. And so I like it to be funny if it can. But as long as it fits what's happening with the card, or especially the artwork, I think that's probably the best way to do it. I don't know. It's hard for me to say, but like uh, to come back around to something simple that's always here, Magic the Gathering, of course. If Magic has a card that says Lightning Bolt, and the flavor text is something about a wizard casting a lightning spell, and in the artwork there's some dude casting a lightning spell, cool. But like, I wish it would be a little funny. That's my, my only other thing, right? So that's it. It's got to, if it supports the function of whatever it's on and it's kind of funny, that's like my gold standard. Like, that's what I want. So basically, like any of the cat like token cards. Come here, you little critter. Exactly. Like, the stuff like that I find is hilarious. Um, I want that. I want it to be light because I don't know. It's more, I'm trying to have fun, but I also want it to match the function of what it's flavoring. Light and relevant. Light and relevant. There you go. Light and relevant. So I feel like I'm all over the place with my opinions tonight, but you know, this we're getting into beer. That's what I'm here for. Paraphrase and reflect. Paraphrase, reflect. <laughs> Paraphrase, reflect, and direct. There you go. You got it all figured out. But yes, flavor text is uh, a part of a lot of games. And honestly, like it could be fun just creating flavor text for stuff. It really could. I think it's fun. It's something that you should look for more in games. If you have played a game a lot and you haven't really dug deep into flavor text, just just check it out. I, I read one of those posts that said Terraforming Mars. There's a card that's oil refinery. The flavor text is refining oil. That's hilarious. <laughs> it, it's what the card does. The artwork's going to match. And it's funny. Like, I just, I, I like that. And uh, try to keep an eye out for them because they can, sometimes you'll find one like that that sticks with you and you're like, man, I really love that. So speaking of creating your own flavor text. And now, join us for a Malt House Games podcast special, Pint Size Question. So for the question of this episode, off of Haley's great transition, is what would your flavor text be? So Haley, do you know what your flavor text would be? I got it. What is it? Ginger, I hardly know her. Pretty good. Kind of lame. Pretty good. Uh, excuse me. Okay, we're going to have a vote. Let's see what it's, Delton We're going to have a vote. Let's see what Delton so says. So yours is ginger. I hardly know her. Well, because one, I'm a ginger, and two, yeah. I make that's what she said jokes all the time. There's layers. That is true. Layers I, to my statement. I honestly have no good flavor text for me, and I think part of that is I'm not as funny as you. Second part of that is I don't want to be too serious with it. Uh, Maybe, maybe that's my, my flavor text is going to be Oh, you know what? It's going to be a quote that Brian loves to re repeat on me. And it was, I want to say, if I remember it correctly, and Brian will correct me when I bring this up to him, uh, my flavor text will be not too often, but quite a bit. <laughs> and I, I, I had said that one time referencing in a conversation forever ago, but that was one of the, I think the biggest laughs I got out of Brian was <laughs> not too often, but quite a bit. I thought you were going to say two of a sec to quit. Yeah, two. Uh, yes, sure. <laughs> I'll deal. I'll take it. That'll be my secondary, my sub flavor text. Oh God, you're subtexting your own text. I don't need all that. That's too much to think about. Well, with that being said, let's get to our patron, patron, our Patreon patrons, and all their thanks. Thank you so much to Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Cliff, and Jennifer. Thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. The stuff you support us, those levels you support us at, uh, it's all super helpful for every Patreon backer. Those that I just shouted out support us at a level in which they get shouted out on the podcast. 
There's also a level in which you get a shout out once a month on Twitter and some other levels. If you want to be like them, go to patreon.com slash malthousegames or you can head over to malthousegames.com. Remember, that's M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. Malthousegames.com is our website where we have all of our episodes up there, have like a playlist of that, some information about us, things we've been playing recently, our favorite games, and you can also see every game that we have covered on the podcast. Make sure to follow us on all social media to keep up with my random posts about board games and also all the new announcements of releases of podcast episodes. And vasectomy updates. And probably vasectomy number two updates at malthousegames.com. Or sorry, at malthousegames.com, at malthousegames. You can also find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at... S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K. And we are no longer giving Delton 8% beer after 9 o'clock. And that's at Squirrely Geek. Why not? I, uh, you're you're going to find out if you go back and edit this section. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> They're used to it now. All of you fans and listeners, you are all used to it. You're all our friends. I'm also tired and my back still hurts. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm falling apart. My back hurts. I'm tired. Uh, my vasectomy failed. I, everything's falling <laughs> apart. It's all falling apart. Instead of 30 flirty and thriving, you're 30 dirty and dying. <laughs> Here's the good thing, though. My blood test came back. I did my annual blood test and everything was super solid. So not dying. So not dying. I've got great levels of everything. Triglycerides, high, uh, HDL, LDL, cholesterols, all my, everything you could think of in my blood tests. Great. So happy about that. So I'm not actually dying. Thank goodness. I'm just over here spry in my 20s, just watching, watching your world burn. Yeah. Just kidding. I'm right behind I'm you. that dude on the table. Everything's <laughs> fine. Oh, well. Anyway. <laughs> Make sure to follow us. If you have a question you want us to answer on the show, topic you think we should cover, or a game that you want us to look at, send an email, contact at malthousegames.com. I think that's everything. Haley's over here laughing at me. It's just, this is our (laughs) life now. I'm going to go turn my Switch on for the first time. I'm going to start playing some old Nintendo games. Play some Mario Kart. I'll I'll, I'll probably get old Mario. I'm going to get the new Mario Kart, though, because that's what I want to play. So just just play me in that, and I'll like run off the Rainbow Bridge like six times, and you can defeat me, and then you'll feel better. Maybe. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning in to the Malthouse Games podcast, episode number 96. Woo! I guess that's everything today. So until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.